Hi, I'm Molly. And I'm Matt. And we are Growing, Growing Into, into love. love. Today we're talking about love without attachment. The reason why attachment can cause relationships to become toxic or break down, and how it inhibits the flow of love. We will talk about how love without attachment allows you to freely and consciously give yourself to another person. All right, here we are again, another episode, back at it again. Just before we get started, just want to give my deepest gratitude to the listeners um, that are supporting this and just listening. It's just so amazing to be heard, even by one person. So deepest gratitude. So this week on attachment, hey, what was your thoughts on attachment before you met me? That's really interesting, actually. I didn't actually have an understanding of love without attachment or even understand what it was until I met you. Um, so this was something that, again, is something relatively new to, to me to understand. And before I give my interpretation of attachment, what was your viewpoint on attachment? Let's say before you knew what it was even, what was, if you could analyze what you were, in that state of attachment, what was your thoughts or what was your viewpoint around attachment? I think um, like a belonging, like something that belongs to me or that I'm connected to or that I care deeply about. Yeah, and how about attachment in regards to life? Um, like let's say like your plan when you were traveling. <laughs> oh yeah, so attached. <laughs> yeah. It has to go this way and it has to be this. Um, I've, you know, I've, decided that this is what it's going to be and I'm so attached to that so that's what I'm going to do and how do you think that that worked out for you it kept me really confined and it didn't allow me freedom to have room for anything else to come in and when you say anything else come in I think that anything else would you look at it as the magic of the universe to work in mysterious ways yeah, I would now. At the time, no. Like, yeah. I was too much in fear. I didn't want anything else to come in. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I want it to be this way. I want to go and see dolphins today, and then I want to go and see a new temple, and then I want to skydive, and then nothing else is going to stop that, and this is how it's going to be, and I don't want anything else to ruin that. <laughs> yeah, and <clears throat> do you now know or do you now see why that confined you and how you were unable to expand to the higher level of like let's say life so to speak absolutely <laughs> yeah like you say now I live more in a state of ease and flow and I enjoy those moments of not knowing and I find that putting so much restrictions and so so many plans in place really really doesn't allow room for anything else to come in doesn't allow there to be growth or spontaneity or you know it, it keeps you fixed it keeps you in a very fixed mentality yeah and I, before we go into a little bit of the philosophy of an attachment I'd like to give the viewers an opportunity to just kind of analyze where they are within their attachments um, and to know that like planning and attachments do have their place so to speak you know like you can't you you can just go with the flow and that does work and I've done it for a lot of times but now how can you combine the two you know of structure and flow because there's like an ebb and flow right mm -hmm. but 
in regards of what we're talking to today about the attachment of love. Um, so <clears throat> when I first started learning about this was actually with my belongings. So I come from a, you know, a poor upbringing and as poor as in uh, North America <laughs> standards or Western standards, because where we are, it's a whole different level. Mm -hmm. But in, in, in regards to my friend group and my family and yeah, I, I grew up in that. So my attachment started from then, actually. Um, it started from uh, anything I got, I was a hoarder. I had to hold on to it very tightly because I didn't often get what I wanted or I would see people get what they want and then I'd want the same thing but couldn't get it myself. So that attachment started then. Like I was programmed to be attached out of fear and out of survival, you know? And so, you know, that, that's, that led me to having a massive amount of clothes, um, which I had a big closet for a young man um, or a boy. I had a big closet because I just always got clothes. It, it, you know what I used to do is actually in the lost and found, I used to find, I didn't lose anything, but I used to find things in the lost and found and I'd bring it home and I just think, oh yeah, this is perfect free stuff. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I've learned to know that that's not good, even karmically. Um, so <clears throat> then it led me to going into my bank accounts, hoarding my money, uh, saving money and being so cheap and not enjoying the fruits of life, um, which got me into certain places, but denied me of experiences. But then that trickled into going the opposite way. So then from there, I had to learn the opposite. I had, I had so much fear when I was at the beginning of my early 20s of going into situations and events, having to have to have a plan, have to know exactly how it has to work out, have to know everything about it and very attached. But what I learned at an early age is this, this brought on big expectations. And so often than not, when you have an expectation, what happens? <clears throat> Generally doesn't come out the way you want it to come out why is that because you're putting so much <coughs> pressure you're putting so much pressure on it has to be this way it has to i have an expectation expectation to reach that so you start putting so much pressure on yourself that actually you start to push it further away and what do we know about the universe it's in a constant place of flow and, and change. change yeah so often when we put expectations how can they ever come out how, they, how we expect them to because nothing is constant and nothing is for sure and everything's changing. But that is something we can know. We can keep the known. We can expect that. That's actually the only known thing we can expect. So what I realized was part of what was holding me back was my expectations. This was a massive unlock for me. So I started going about my life, but as who I am, I'm an addict. So, and I'm an extremist. So I went on the far end of this. I went to like pure non-attachment. Like I didn't care about anything. I was so happy with like, honestly, in these surf countries, I was happy with a surfboard, a pair of shorts, a tank top, and a bit of money that I would get by. But like, I didn't need anything. And I can remember people seeing me like, how are you traveling with so little? But it was just, I was so non-attached. But what I started to realize was when I took out my expectations, 
but or or I made my expectations really easy to be met. So it was something like, if I wake up, then I, you know it's I've already got it. It's mm. it. So anything after that was bonus. Well, in the human state, if we exceed our goal, we feel amazing. I didn't know that's what I was doing at the time, but I was ultimately just. I, I, and then I started being thrilled by this, being so thrilled by the non-attachment and not knowing. Because what I say is, in, this, in the state that I meet people like I met you in, mm-hmm. is that you leave no room for the magic. And the magic that I'm talking here is what creates Walt Disney movies, is what creates Pixar movies, is that magic that there is to life, you know? We don't know which way the grass is going to grow, but it's going to grow, but it's going to grow in its direction. Now, we can direct it. We can build systems around these things to direct it in the which way we want to grow, so to speak, like a tomato vine. We can use structures around it and anticipate that it will grow up or vines against a wall. But the exact direction in which it grows, we'll let the universe, we'll let Earth decide that. So we can do the same with our life. So what I found was, is I made these structures and then I let, it was so nice because then I let the universe take over. I let something higher than myself bring in the magic. Now we think about that in a state on how we are as a person. Well, if we're operating from that place of trust that, hey, you know what? This is how I see it and I'm gonna build a structure, but unattached to how the structure looks, but I'll let the earth grow the which way it wants to, man, you're coming from such a much better place, at least in myself. So what I started to learn, I studied love and I studied women very deeply and I studied myself very deeply. And in that process, I, I was in a relationship for six and a half years and I became empty after I, I lost myself. I didn't know who and where and what I was. And I didn't, I, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do and all these deep questions. And, and it made me want to study love at such a deeper level. But I started really contemplating love at a very, like, from my heart space, almost the space that, not almost, it is the space that doesn't have words. But I started really analyzing love. And I started listening to philosophers like Alan Watts, and he was the first one that introduced me to this philosophy of love without attachments. And I thought about that. I was like, love without attachments? Like, what does that mean? But I, I started to realize that if you actually love something, like genuinely, from the highest level of love, right? We're going beyond the human. Mm-hmm. We're going from love in the space with no form there is nothing else. There is nothing else but on that, it's just love. So what I started to realize was with my past relationships with um, my ex or interactions with women that I would date, and I honestly say I date them very poorly because I would mislead them and I'd tell them what they wanna hear, but I had to heal through that. And it was right at the time when I was learning love without attachments. So I, I wanted to practice it as well. I wanted to practice the philosophy, but this is super confusing to women because they're, they're feeling the love, but they're attaching mm-hmm. and I'm constantly being detached. And it can often be seen in a form of, um, like non-emotions or how could you not have emotions? It's going, no, I'm feeling this to the highest level, but I'm sitting in meditation, learning to unattach from this love. And 
So in that process, I was really contemplating, you ca- how can you love something, but then it gets taken from you, and then you, want, you, you hate them now. So I'd often see this, especially, uh, you know, the, the, the way in which men and women receive uh, breakups is a little bit differently. And I would, I would often see some of the differences, but I, let's, let's take gender aside, is that someone that goes straight from this deep amount of love and then go straight into this deep amount of hate. Mm. This was so confusing to me. So I look at things in my body, right? Like I look at jealousy, I look at envy, I look at greed, I look at hatred. These aren't vibes that I want in my body, right? Like I'm trying to really keep a good vibe going. So I would take responsibility for my vibe inside my body. So if I felt those feelings, and even to this day, if I feel feelings of I'm looking at someone, say on social media, and I have that thought in me, but then I have the awareness to notice it in my body, I'm like, oh, I don't want this in my body. Hmm. It's, it's actually a very selfish reason because I want to feel good. But the irony is, is if I feel good, then I'm actually better for others. So I'd see these people go straight into hate. I'm like, well, then I'd question what's your level of love? Because if you really love someone, you want the best for them. That's just no questions asked. It's just is what it is. So this was a great process to begin for me of rethinking and re-feeling how I was to love because I don't want something outside of me to have to make me feel something. Mm -hmm. So this was also a big pressure that my ex-girlfriend put on me was like, if I'm not around, she'd be done. She gets so angry and, and it would almost be like I was stealing something from her. Mm-hmm. But what actually was happening was she was a codependent on me. She was really dependent on me and her state. And I can see, wow, you know, I'm pretty good. No. <laughs> but what, what happens is, is often because my vibe, I actually am an antidepressant. I'm a genuine antidepressant for people. So that, that can happen, you know, and this is why we get dogs or animals to fill these spaces of self. Um, they're called transitionary possessions. So a dog is a transitionary possession. So as we're moving to say from teens to adulthood or a teddy is a transitionary possession, uh, a soother is a, we attach ourselves to these uh, transitionary possessions and then we identify them as ourself. Mm -hmm. So this is what starts to happen in love is that you start to attach yourself to the other human and now I'm identified with you so say for example in the unconscious version of our relationship i'm identified as me and molly so you're actually part of me Mm -hmm. so if you do something wrong or you wrong me it's actually like you're harming me so to the ego this is really not good so you're taking something from me so this is why someone can go from this extreme amount of love and then that person leave and they go straight to hate but this is a very egoic place within self to go from that height to that low in a roller coaster of feelings but if you don't understand this concept then it's completely logical as why you're acting that way but in the love realm if we can go higher beyond that 
and learn to love without attachment saying like, now look, I'm not saying you have to be this high and mighty person. And I'm not saying I wouldn't feel you be broken up for me. I would definitely feel it's inevitable. You're going to have some level of attachment. This is going to happen. This is the joy of bringing conscious awareness to life is that this is the practice now. So now if something were to happen to you, bless your heart, that would show me where I was unconscious to my attachments of you. But with that being said, now I can become more aware and use that as a practice and be grateful to show me where I was attached in my love. And this was the process for me. And this is why I mantra I want to have love without attachments because I had love with attachments and I felt the pressure of that. I was on the receiving end of it, of that pressure and that just put me off big time. I, I hated that if I made a decision for something I wanted to do with my life, it's my life, it's not anyone else's life, it's my life, that that would totally affect someone because of their attachment. Now, if that person truly loved me without attachment, they would really support my decision. Now, a really good partner, which you are, I, you. I really appreciate, <laughs> is that you really support my decisions and you want me to be and do what I want to do. And this is why I've been so nuanced with who I choose to open my heart with. It's been a huge huge uh specs at which i i know it's such a man way to go about love but it, it has been such a process to allowing my heart to open with a certain person because there are so many specs at which i was willing to open my heart to and this was one of the ones that you passed uh the test on go me yeah <laughs> um so yeah i mean that's that's my uh kind of foundation on love without attachments yeah, thank you. Um, so before like going into kind of how you introduced me to it and how I kind of then went off and found my own understanding of love without attachment, I just want to touch on a few things that you said before about just attachment in general. And um, I can really resonate and relate to what you were saying with the attachment to like stuff um, clothes. And for me, it wasn't um, from the same space that it was for you. Um, I was actually like very generous with things that I had like I was very uh, yeah just use it have it like um, more of like a carefree attitude within things that I owned however when it came to like sentimental things or um, something that somebody had given me or reminded me of something I became very attached to it and this became apparent when I remember <laughs> really uh, silly but I left my hair straighteners on and I went to work and then I thought oh my God, what if the house burns down because I've left my hair straighteners on? And I was going back to the house to turn them off and I was like, oh, like I've got these photos and I've got this thing that belongs to my gran and then I've got this thing that belongs to like my mum and dad gave me when I was a child and oh my God, if I haven't got this and what does that mean? And ah, and I got into this frenzy of just like my stuff, like it means so much to me, not, a, not some shoes that I bought last week not a t-shirt that I've had for a couple of years like none of that stuff but the stuff that's sentimental that represents either someone or a, a moment in time I really need that in my life like I, I that is part of who I am and at the time I didn't realize it but looking back now and after what you've just said 
I see this in so many people. Oh my and God. it's the worst. <laughs> and it, it just becomes it becomes acceptable because there's um there's more of an emotion behind it. So it's Well you think it's acceptable because you gave a reason. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it becomes, you know, this is okay because this is from my great 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 grandmother and this has been passed down through history and it's an heirloom and it, it therefore it means more and therefore I need it in my life. And when I met you with my rucksack backpacking oh around the world, um, I had just items and like tokens of things that were like, yeah, this is like my thing that I take out with me. This is my lucky thing. This is my thing. This is my, I had so many things um, to help me on my journey that actually to uh, detach from it was a struggle for me. I was painful. like, it was painful. Yeah. To be like, but this person went out of their way to create this for me so that I would be safe on my travels. And now I have to let that go. But that, but that's like part of what's helping me get here. So I really had to work through, is, is this me? Like, am I, how much value am I putting into this object? And why am I so attached to it? And it comes from this feeling, like these deep emotions and how much I've put onto this thing. But I started looking into minimalism. And um, if you haven't listened to the minimalist podcasts, I hugely, hugely recommend and their way of life and just a constant state of non-attachment and how freeing and liberating it is. Because, you know, as we've gone on through our journey, you've really helped me shed a lot of stuff. So I think I've been through maybe five sheds of Probably, like yeah. clothes, belongings, things emotions emotions yeah <laughs> uh, things that aren't serving you so just holding on just really holding on and um and actually it's again like what we talked about at the beginning it keeps you in this really rigid and fixated mindset because it's like if my house burns down if I lose my rucksack if I lose this thing oh my god oh my god something of me is gone but then, like, where's our wholeness coming from? Where, like, where, who are we really? Because without the stuff, then what's left? Which is a great place to actually be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is who are you without the stuff? Who are you without your attachments? Who are you without the things in your mind, you know? And so, um, with, with that being said, I should mention something here. Um, because I think that we've been misled, part, not partly misled, but like just because you have stuff doesn't mean you can't enter that state. So I think when people think about the minimalism, they think that they have to have nothing. Mm-hmm. But it comes to are you attached to your stuff? So mm-hmm. you could have someone that doesn't have very much, but they're attached to the little things they have. But you could have someone that's living in a mansion with all these cars and have it all be taken from him and he's just still in the same state. So true. So what happens in the mind, you want to look at this for the listeners that listening. This is the big point that you want to look at and look at your stuff. Whatever you're surrounded by, your subconscious mind is a representation of it. This is why it's really good to keep your house clean, keep your closets clean, every part, because this this is actually a direct representation of your subconscious mind. So when you're attached to something, that means there's an attachment actually going on in your mind. So you want to practice being unattached from it. So this is where my work comes in. I can go into people's places and I've done this 
and I'm actually clearing out their mind. I'm not clearing out their stuff. They think it's that little sentimental thing, but it is a thing in their mind. It has nothing to do with this stuff. But you want to contemplate, like, I'm, I came here with nothing, and I'm leaving with nothing. Not even my body. I'm leaving without my body. So you can get a, but what, you're going to spend more time? But I, I guarantee you, and, and believe me, I've just witnessed someone passing and leaving this earth last year. You don't care about your stuff. The stuff is not what you care about when you're leaving this place. So be mindful of all these specs. And last thing within this is that there's this great philosopher. And she said, true freedom is having nothing to lose at all. And that's from Janis Joplin. So ultimately, we want to be in a place where it's not to avoid the stuff because these tools help us. You know, the phone we're recording off of right now, it helps us. I'm glad that I have it. But if I were to lose it, that's where the practice begins. So for example, you watched me go through non-attachment with that when I flew my drone into the ocean. Mm-hmm. You watched the full process of that. Mm-hmm. That wasn't, I, I didn't, it didn't just go into the ocean. I was like, Oh yeah, Alan Watts, free beef. I'm good. I'm Mr. Spiritual. I meditate every morning. That's what I, uh, no, I still had to feel it. I still had to work through it. So this is the joy of the spiritual practice and understanding is that you can learn it, but then you have to practice it. And that's what we're experiencing right now. Yeah, absolutely. And just another area just um, of attachment that's not related to things or obstacles. For me personally, when I talked about, you know, plans and getting things like, this is what I'm going to do today and this is what I'm going to do tomorrow. A big attachment for me was getting things right. Like, so let me schedule, let me plan, let me organize as much as possible so that I can get it right. And I think that has been a huge learning curve for me and it's something that I'm still working through right now, the attachment of the outcome. So I really want, and again, you've got to take this with a pinch of salt because you always want to do your best and you always want to show up being your best. But once you start to become attached to the outcome, that's when things start to go into this place of like the fixed mindset and not allowing room for other things to grow or to percolate. So for instance, okay, I've got a yoga session and I'm going to plan, we're going to do shoulder openings and that's what we're going to do. And this is the the graph and this is the outline of what I'm going to do. And I go into the yoga class and I've prepped and it's all sorted and I've got my piece of paper next to me and I know what I'm going to do. And then two people show up, I'm expecting a a group class. I'm like, okay, two people are here, that's fine, we can do shoulder openings. And then one tells me that they've got a shoulder injury and they can't do anything in their shoulder. But I'm attached to the fact that I'm doing shoulder opening. Yeah. I'm, I'm, no, 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 I've planned to do shoulder opening. So how can we allow these things in life just to come in and change and evolve? And, you know, how can we mold with life instead of it being like, but I expected it to be this. Now, there's still, it's still good to have goals and expectations in, in life. But to be that fixated on it, like you say, it takes away from the magic of it. Yeah, and so now that the viewer has a really good foundation, how do you relate this to love? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's what I wanted to move on to now. So when Matt first mentioned love without attachment, and as we've mentioned before in previous podcasts, he was really um, affirmating, speaking to himself, priming himself for having love in his life. And he told me that one of the big things he wanted was to be in a loving relationship without attachment. 
And I was like, whoa, 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 what does that mean? What does that mean? Uh, because to me, what you're saying is that uh, you want to be in love, but you don't want to go too deep. You don't care that much. Hmm, not sure how I feel about that one. So this was really interesting because I came from the mindset of attachment, meaning um, a deeper sense of love, more of um, a coming together, a stronger bond, a team, because that's what I've been led to believe. That's what I, through programming and, and through growing up, attachment, my stuff, this is mine, my boyfriend, um, my partner, my son, my daughter, it's, it's a belonging. So I wanted to feel like I belonged in a relationship and I wanted to feel that that other person was there to support me. So when you said love without attachment, I was like, huh, okay, that doesn't sound that serious. Doesn't sound like you want a serious relationship. So then once you started to describe to me, like you have to the listeners, where you learnt that attachment comes from and how you've experienced attachment, that allowed me to reflect on my previous relationship. And what happened to me when I came out of that relationship was exactly what you experienced. Uh, Who am I? What am I doing? Like, okay, now I got no idea what to do because I got lost in the other person I got lost fulfilling their needs I got lost trying to be the best I could for that person and feeling completely completely attached to that person I didn't have an identity of my own because I was in it from such a young age as well like I was growing and evolving but with this other person so when I came out of it I was like uh who's Molly Uh, Who is she as a single person? What does she like? What does she want to do? Um, And that, uh, having that reflection was like, okay, I really need to do some more research into this love without attachment thing. Now, my mind works slightly different to Matt's and I, once I hear something or a concept, I really want to understand why. Like, let me go into it, let me research, let me delve deeper. What does this love without attachment look like? What are people saying about it? Why is this not necessarily a positive thing to have in a relationship? So I did this back in October, um, or September, October last year. And I was, honestly, like, it blew my mind a little bit. And it really helped me to differentiate between love and attachment and one of the biggest things that I found was you can see love as like a flowing river and you can see attachment as the dam that blocks it and that keeps it confined and contained so if you think about how we spoke about attachment with this fixation and this is how it is and this is how it looks actually that inhibits love the attachment to love actually blocks it and it stops it from able from being able to grow, to evolve, to be anything else. And then I started looking into actually where attachment comes from. Now, an attachment in the dictionary is like an extension of self and it's something outside of self. So attachment is actually needing something. It's needing something that's without you, without side yourself, um, to feel more fulfilled. So it comes from a needy place, it comes from an insecurity, it comes from a fear. So when I started learning this, I was like, huh, that doesn't feel nice. And uh, there's actually a psychological term for it, whereas like in that attachment, people feel it as much as they, they like they feel it like a limb. So they, mm-hmm. they attach themselves to it like a toe or a finger. So imagine losing a finger, like that, that psychologically, imagine losing a hand. 
That's how deep our attachments go. And I felt that when I came out of my last relationship, like I felt like not just a finger or a toe or like literally like probably over half of my body had gone. Like, and now I have to rediscover that. Like what the hell? And then I got to give that away again. Yeah. And then that's, yeah, exactly. And that's where the fear comes in. Like I'm not, I don't want to give myself away to somebody like that again. Um, And the thing with attachment as well is it stems from an egoic place. If you think about, children for instance like this is my toy we learn this from such a young age this is mine my 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 i i i so as we grow up how does that how does that resonate within relationships like we touched on my boyfriend my girlfriend my mom my dad my child it's a belonging it's mine when it when you think about it like how can somebody else be yours Mm -hmm. like you can't own somebody else even you don't own your body you're just in a body. It's not your body. Whose body is it? Where did it come from? Would you go buy it? <laughs> <laughs> and I think this is the thing that you have spoken to me about, Matt, within ego, and it's such a dense, dense topic to go into that I really like us to, to talk more about in the future, but the, there's four different types of the ego. Do you want to just explain where this one comes from? Yeah, well, I first think that this is a nice one for the listeners to understand, which I heard from Dr. Wayne Dyer, was ego stands for edge God out. So edge the creator out. So what you are is you're pushing it away from you. This is so interesting, right? It's like essentially saying, I mean, this I love these types of examples. It's essentially saying like the um the flower trying to not be part of the garden mm. it's like saying I, i'm not part of this this is what our ego does mm. our ego tells us that we're not part of the garden we're trying to not be part of something that we are a part of oh man this is so beautiful for the heart this is so beautiful for the mind but this takes practice you know and so in the attachment phase <clears throat> the first stage of our ego is developed um like we're uh 50 percent developed by four years old um, and then that's where all the programming starts is around four years old after it starts filling the cup up um, this is why it's really important to be mindful around our children um, but in that phase <clears throat> this first stage of the ego starts off with i am what i have so it starts off with our belongings our our toys our our um clothes our you know um even even our meals, you know, for me, I was a fat kid, so I, was like, I am what I'm eating right now, you know, all this food. But what starts to happen is now think of this in terms of our bank accounts. We go into our bank accounts. You, you see people with car collections, with all these nice cars, all these nice belongings. But there's a big caveat to this. When you have these things, doesn't mean you're not spiritual. doesn't mean you understand them. It means if I take it from you or if it was taken from you, how do you feel? So, for example, like the flower, like when, when, because you could look at it this way. Like, let's say the flower developed an ego and now the bee came and took its pollen. Like, how would it feel? Well, the, it would be like, hey, get out of here. Like, this is my pollen. It's like... But you don't realize that the bee coming and taking your pollen is actually helping the process of the whole garden and everything at a higher part of the garden. It's like the same thing with a flower being selfish with the water, being selfish with the dirt. It's like 
this is we're all part of it it's all part of it so if 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 say the the rain or the water said well all right it looks like you're developing an ego there flower and we're gonna probably stop giving you as much water now that water or now what that flower needs to grow is now being taken from it and this is what happens to us with our egos um and it our egos are there for a reason. They are not there by chance. Nature doesn't do anything imperfectly. So these egos are really beneficial to us. They have purpose, but we have to learn how do we coexist with it. And I'm still on that. I'm still trying to learn that. Yeah, and I think we both recently had an experience where we wondered whether we were going into this love and attachment place but what's great is once you can start to understand love without attachment and once you have this concept and this awareness you can really check in with yourself so for instance for me um last week I wasn't feeling my greatest I was a bit under the weather and Matt had gone out to the gym and he'd been out maybe like two or three hours and been to the sauna and everything and I prepared our tea and I sat down and I was like okay I'm ready to eat so I'm gonna eat and I went to eat and then I felt this like uh space inside me and I was like ooh what's this I was like oh I just I really miss Matt right now and then I was like okay now why is that and I was like well because I really enjoy spending my time with him okay and now is this is this going into a need do I need him to be here right now and I had to really ask myself that question do I need him here thankfully like it was no like I don't need him to be here I don't need him to be around I just enjoy it and enjoy life more when he is around but it's really important that once we start to bring this awareness that we can catch ourselves daily weekly monthly in these places of self because there's such a fine line between love and attachment that it can really blur and this is where you know these possessive relationships come in this like toxic kind of relationship this ah, I want you to be here why are you not spending time with me we don't spend enough time together if those sensations and feelings are coming up what I found really helps is just to kind of sit and really ask myself is this coming from a, a needy place is this coming from a place that I need to feel more fulfilled or is it coming from a place of oh it would just be really nice to share this moment with him and that really enables me to keep on track with this love without attachment. Yeah, and um, I, ironically, a week before that, <clears throat> I have experienced the same thing where I felt I was in a lower state of myself immune system-wise, and, you know, I felt that you weren't, you weren't around. You were out teaching yoga, and I felt, I literally felt the exact same thing, except for mine was from attachment. <laughs> mine wasn't not from, mine was from attachment. So it was nice to become aware of. Yeah, absolutely. So for the listeners, obviously we've covered quite a lot here. So for just the things to take away, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about love and what feels and the sensations that come up with love and then what comes up within attachment so that you can start to really question whether it's your belongings, whether it's your things, whether it's your loved ones and whether it's in a state of love or attachment. So you think of love as being directed outward to another person. So the feelings that you can feel is liberating, freeing, it's very selfless, it's a very giving action and you feel fulfilled within. 
It's non-possessive. It's independent or interdependent within a relationship. And it's at a higher spiritual level. Whereas attachment, it comes from within. So it's a self-centered need to fulfill you. So you don't feel full, you don't feel whole. And it stems from fear, insecurity. There's a neediness to it and an emptiness. And you feel unfulfilled. You become dependent or codependent within a relationship. And what actually happens is it blocks and inhibits love because it stems from the ego. So thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And if you found this episode interesting, please share it with your friends. And if this is a good one, if you've listened to this far, um, if you have any questions or suggestions or topics you would like us to talk about, please message us through our social media platforms and uh, or, or message us in the description below. And, and we'd love to talk about what it is you'd love to hear about. So thank you very much. Have a great week and we'll be back on Thursday with another episode of Growing Growing Into Love. Love.